And just a disclaimer, we are not doctors. Information shared in this podcast is not meant as medical advice. We do not intend to diagnose, treat, or cure. We intend to delineate knowledge for educational purposes only. Welcome to the first ever installment of Native Trees and a Bag of Weeds podcast. Alright, so welcome to the first ever installment of the Native Trees and a Bag of Weeds podcast. We are your hosts. I am your boy Jared Wade. You can find me on TikTok at your boy Jared Wade. And this (laughs) is... Messy Mixologist. You can find me on TikTok at Messy Mixologist. However, I'm not Messy Mixologist on Instagram. I am Messy Herbalist um, on Instagram. I have a couple different Instagrams. It's really an awkward yeah, situation I, yeah. over there. I have a, a lot of ADHD when it comes <laughs> to Instagrams. I think I have like eight. Um, Jesse, I need you to confirm because I know you've been counting how many Instagrams he has. Yes, I would like to give it out to my loyal follower, Jesse, my sister-in-law, for following all of my Instagrams. All eight of them. If you would least. like to keep up with my naturally stuff, I actually, we'll go into the ADHD in a minute, but uh, I started this one as a agree, wild, <laughs> wildlife photography Instagram. This was handed to me, though, so... Sorry, Sydney said bourbon is better, or Sydney or John. I'm not sure which. Well, yeah. That, that might be John, actually, because the name is J-Cap. Um, bourbon is better. This is just what was handed to me. So. This podcast is going to be a mess. I'm excited. Um, So, you can find uh, my Instagram. I'll try to keep up with it. I'm not as active on there. It is Jared Wade Wild Media. Um, and I post, I've posted some outdoorsy uh, wildlife photography, but I'll try to keep it updated with the native trees and a bag of weeds type material as we go forward. Yeah, we are so excited about this podcast idea. Um, so just through everything that life has thrown us this year, we kind of fell into a hobby together. Um, and that has been healing. It's been bonding. It's just been a lot of fun. Um it's kind of taken over our lives. <laughs> and, and our counter. And our counter, if you can't tell. And our window seat. And the window And our backyard. And the backyard. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole, and the office. There's a whole room dedicated uh, to, yeah, everything this podcast is about. So, what is this podcast about? What are you into, Miss Messy? Bag of weeds. That's what kind of weeds? <laughs> All the weeds. So... Yes, hashtag plant talk. Um, so I haven't changed my name on TikTok because I haven't found a good, anything that kind of combines my mixology and my plant herbology, whatever this uh, venue that I've gone down. I did make a TikTok separate called Messy Herbalist and then decide that these niches kind of collide a lot. There's a lot of herbalism in um, in alcohol and in cocktails. Um, for instance, elderflower liqueur is one of my favorite liqueurs. Um, gin is just a juniper berry tincture. We'll cover that 
kind of stuff later. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that we talk about. Tinctures. Um, that's just really kind of where my mixology is settling in right now. Um, but yeah, weeds. I decided to go traveling around my backyard, figure out what was out there, what it could do, um, and realize that there's a lot of medicinal stuff in our yard. Um, one of the things that kind of made me think of that is, one of the things that kind of made me think of that is um, dandelions. You know, you see dandelions on a bag of round, or a thing of Roundup or whatever, and they market for us to kill dandelions. Well, dandelions are super medicinal. We'll cover that in another episode, I'm sure, when I can do some more research. Um, but that's kind of what set this off. What other weeds on this beautiful piece of property that we've moved to can I use to better our health? Um, and so, yeah, that's what I'm gonna talk about. What are you gonna awesome. talk about? Awesome, bag of weeds and native trees. <laughs> we keep it off backwards. That was your that's fault, fine. you did No, that. it's totally my fault. That's awesome, I'm on <laughs> So likewise, uh, when she got into plants, I kind of tried to get interested so that I can help and aid her in her weed stuff. And at about that time, I came across uh, Native Plant Talk, uh, which you can find the TikTok guy, Native Plant Talk, Mr. Kyle Larberger, and I got into his podcast. Then I got to thinking back through where we're at and on our farm and how many native and non-native species we have and how I've always tried to balance that. Um, and then did, of course, I had a short stint in a forestry career and then through agriculture and everything else. It's just kind of, then pair that with hunting and fishing and all the outdoor activities that I like. It just all kind of culminated to a really huge interest in um, native plants, um, especially trees, but also, I mean, all the other planta that you find, um, wildflowers and shrubs and prairies and savannas and learning a little bit about all of it. And now I'm mildly obsessed and uh, mildly. Obsessed, and actually, I mean, it went from. Oh, I love that John says he's backyard in the tree with a baby, skin to skin. That's magical. That's what's that up. is what's up. That is the life, and I think everybody should have a piece of that. No matter how small your property is, you should have a piece of. It don't take much to do your part. in a tree with a baby, yeah. skin to skin is just that's freaking nature right there. I love yeah. it. And that's something that, nature. That's, yeah, I love nature. nature. I love birds. I love the animals. It's I like the wildlife. So healing. And yeah, the sun between the sun and the plants and the dirt so is. There is um, a study, and I haven't looked into it. This is just what I've heard, and I'll probably look into the study to be able to share it with you guys more later. Apparently, there is a good bacteria that lives in dirt that promotes this euphoric feeling in our bodies. It promotes happiness. It promotes feeling good. So that's really interesting that literally getting your hands and feet in the dirt can make you happy, scientifically proven. Yeah, I think Look. we've seen that today. We spent the last two hours. Yes, y'all, I had a really uh, rough weekend. Um, you can go check out some of my TikToks if you want to kind of get more into detail on kind of what's going on and driven us into this healing journey. Um, but yeah, I needed to get outside today. And that was definitely super healing. Super glad we did that. And now I can enjoy my time with you guys. Awesome. So, leading so, from that, that's kind of our backstory. Yeah. Um, what, what have you been into this week? What have you done related to your hobby this week? 
Um, he put me on the spot, so now I'm all nervous. Um, but as long what, as you don't bang on the table to, for the microphone to pick it up, we're yeah, good. Yeah. Um, good luck with that. You can't fidget. Um, anyway, good luck with that. <laughs> One thing I can think of is yesterday we were throwing, doing fireworks at the house. And like my dad came in and um, was telling me that if the kids came in with burn holes in their shirts, it wasn't his fault. Um, and then proceeded me to show me the burn on his thumb and forefinger and then later came back in because his beard had caught on fire. Um, so I thought it would be beneficial to make a burn salve. Um, and salves are one of the best things you can do um, with herbs that are good for your skin. And when we were in the mountains uh, a week ago for vacation, I picked a bunch of plantain and self-heal and had put that in a hemp and castor oil combination. Um, and had been letting that kind of soak and I did a quick infusion method and so I had some plantain and self-heal infused oil. Um, both of those are really good for your skin. Of course we'll cover those definitely in another, um, go further into those in another episode, but um, mixed that up with some aloe and a little bit of beeswax to harden it up and make it where you can easily apply it. That way if anybody came in with a burn, I just slapped some of that on there. So uh, that's one of the things I did related to weeds and medicine and freedom because yeah, freedom <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the plantain and the self-heal literally just grows in that and clover that's what the yards are made of in North Carolina where we were staying and yeah it's literally weeds it's what people consider weeds plantain all that is what people consider weeds my granddaddy has a pile of clover in his front yard and he's pissed and I don't understand why, because clover is really magical, too. Nice. You're not going to get me to stop banging on the table. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're just going to have to figure out how to edit it out. <laughs> uh, not while you're talking <laughs> over it. But anyway. We'll figure this out. I don't know how to podcast. So, awesome. That should have been the name of the podcast. I don't know how to podcast. I don't know how to podcast. <laughs> Back up. So, now you're going to ask me what all I've done this week. What have you done this week? I've done way too much, apparently. <laughs> I played with the plants too long. Your fidgeting is bothering me. I, you'll get over it. Um, <laughs> I'll figure out how to edit it out. Anyway, so I've basically just planted a bunch of stuff. Yes. So, long-term goal. I guess we'll put this out in the open. I would like to start a native plant nursery. But it's testing my patience because plants... They take time. Plants take time, and it's not a quick return. I can't throw a few seeds in a pot and then have enough to actually go out and sell. Yeah. Um, but I, th I, th I just figured that was a good way to promote native plants, is have that option, because if you go to Lowe's or Home Depot or somewhere like that to buy your plants, I would think aren't going to be native. 98% of those yeah. are not going to be native plants, and most of those are probably going to be an invasive species that we actually And I don't, don't get need. that, because most of our native species, and most of the things that we consider weeds, are ornamental. They're very, they're beautiful. Yeah. They're beautiful and they require low maintenance because they naturally grow in that habitat. Just they attract, out of my yard. they attract more butterflies and birds and wildlife. They're, it's almost like they were created um, for the environment. And, almost uh, like they were meant to be there. Almost like they were meant to be there. <laughs> but anyway, so I've, between me trying to re-establish or restore our native habitat here, 
and me trying to launch this plant nursery, I've been collecting any clippings, any cuttings, any seeds that I can find and starting plants and pots for me to use and for me to use to propagate in the future to sell stuff. That's one one uh, just little jar of stuff from today. We didn't have time to plant, <laughs> actually put these in dirt because we had to come be here with you guys. Um, so I was just like, let's stick them in a jar. We've what got, else in this jar? We got some St. John's wort. There's some St. John's wort, which I'm super berry. excited about. The beauty berry. What was this again? Uh, we don't know yet. That's something we oh, still gotta learn what it is. we couldn't get it. Yeah, we did. No, my my iNaturalist was oh, not working at that no, time. No, the anyway. iPhone identified it, and we don't trust the iPhone. No. These are apps. But anyway, this smells really good. Like the leaf, it has like imagine honeysuckle and oregano had a baby. That's what the leaf and it's smells super like. So it smells herby. Um, and whatever Siri said it was, um, the roots are apparently medicinal, but again, we don't really trust uh, Siri. We like to. Yeah, I highly recommend. I use iNaturalist, the app. I use Picture This, uh, which and in my opinion They both a, work great. Yeah, they both work great. They both have different features, and he likes um, the iNaturalist because you can mark, and I love that. And it maps it. it out for me so I know what's where. But I like to quickly identify things and then go back and mark where they are. Can um, we see? What do we need to see, Glenn? What are we I'm seeing? just checking. Oh, did you, Glenn, did you miss it? Uh, Glenn, Here's must, a, Glenn might have missed it. Just an the, hour of riding around the farm. I collected this That here. is why we were late and why we have had so many technical difficulties. Sorry, audio <laughs> listeners, you're going to miss out on this. This is a visual. But we'll in this chart. We'll post jar, a picture on man, him, our Instagrams good. for sure. Jetsy's here. Um, so we got some St. John's Wort, some Beauty Berry that's seating on my table right now. Um, but no, throughout this week, I have potted. 13 American persimmon trees, five baby cypress trees, um, some swamp milkweed. I have seeded some chicory. I have seeded some other milkweeds. Oh, I've seeded a bunch of stuff too. Yeah, so I've got a table full of stuff that I've started. Hold on, hold on a second. So we were talking about the stuff I've planted. Yeah. And it was a lot. And I it think I covered lot. all of it. Lots so. Of we have some nice. elderberry trees. Did you cover the elderberry trees? I have not covered the elderberry trees. We did put them in a pot. We did put them in a pot. They're dying, but they're making it. Um, Luckily, we have tons of elderberry. Yeah, so after I bought cuttings off Amazon, um, found out that we actually have a bunch on the property. So that was really fun. Yeah, we found all kinds of cool things on this property, which we'll cover yeah. um, in depth. I'm going to cover one of the things that we found on the property. But Why don't we kick it off with this that? Is native, no, because uh, it's native trees and a bag of weeds. I, I so. was going to let you go first. Why? Uh, because I felt like you're a lady and that you should go first. <laughs> okay. So the bag of weeds goes first. What's the supplement for melatonin? Um, so melatonin is a natural occurring hormone, uh, but I did find that tart cherry juice stimulates the natural like stimulates melatonin so tart cherry juice and it's actually really del delicious but fun fact john what i'm going to cover today is actually what i take to help me sleep which is blue vervain blue vervain blue vervain so vervaina officinalis is just your basic type of vervain which is natural native to europe and asia um, was used in both Chinese and European medicine historically. I'm going to cover what's native to North America, which is the blue vervain or vervain, verbena hastata. 
Vervena hastata. It grows about three feet tall. Um, it's got stiff, thin stems. I didn't pick any, and I meant to. Our yard is covered in it. Um, but they're, they're real stiff. They go really tall. I think the ones we have on the farm are more than three feet tall because some of them are almost as tall as I am, especially now that they're blooming. Um, the, they spike and flower at the top, and it almost reminds me of lavender because um, it's just this little group of little teeny I would tiny say it's like a flowers. mixture of lavender and bahia grass. With, it's what it reminds me of, the head, okay. the seed heads. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. But with more heads. No, oh, no. Yeah. That's disturbing. <laughs> more head is never disturbing. <laughs> more head is different than more heads. I'll edit this out. Okay. I'll, what? Lettuce. Edit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Um, so yeah, anyway, they remind me of like lavender, lilac type combination. Um, and yeah, it's growing all over my yard, all over the ditch banks. Um, there are a bunch I won't pick because they probably get sprayed. It's the ditch banks between both the cotton and the peanut field that his dad grows. Um, but yeah, it's literally everywhere. My, our yard is a lot of bahia grass, a lot of ryegrass, a lot of vervane, and a lot of fleabane. And a lot of goldenrod mixed in. Yeah, there's a lot of goldenrod out there too. But not really so much in the yard. Yeah. The goldenrod's more back here um, in this part. I'm talking about like in our front yard. Oh, yeah. yeah definitely. Is a whole lot of fleabane and vervane. Um, but vervane is considered a sacred herb. Um, uh, was considered a cure-all in Chinese and European medicine. Um, all the way back to like druids. I have something about druids. Used to use it in ceremonies because it was considered magical properties. Um, the druids used it in ceremonies to protect against evil and purify the space. Um, and they also carried it for good luck. So very cool. Um, ancient history as far as vervain is concerned. As far as the vervain that I use and grow in the yard, um, definitely one of the things that I was most interested in looking at it's got, it's considered a Nervine tonic that's a mild bitter and has antidepressant actions. Um, some of the, ooh, I forgot the word for these. These aren't, the, those are the actions. These are the con constituents, maybe? I don't know. I didn't write my notes out very well. I think these are the constituents. Um, I'm going to mispronounce all these. You can come for me and correct me. Um, I'm sure we'll have ways that you can get a hold of us and correct things later. If I mispronounce it, it's fine. We're all learning here. Let's learn together. Uh, iridoids, which are basically a fancy word for bitters. Um, the way we think, I think about bitters, that triggered me kind of uh, going back to my mixology where um, you use bitters in like old fashions or a lot of cocktails. They just bring out the flavors. Um, fun fact, bitters is a constituent of many herbs. So bitters stimulate the digestive tract. And this is a really fun fact to kind of figure out this week. And it made a whole lot of sense. And you, even thinking about something bitter makes my mouth water. You take something that's bitter, it like just floods your salivary glands. It does that for your entire digestive tract. So if your mouth is watering, all of the rest of your digestive tract is also producing secretions. That aids in digestion. So you take something bitter, you get your digestive system going, and then you eat, you're going to digest that food a lot better because you've already kick-started your system. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, so that was really fun. Uh, it's also got volatile oils in it, which really just means that you can extract essential oils from it. You can't ex 
extract essential oils from everything. Um, but if it has volatile oils, that, that means you can get essential oils out of it. Um, it's got alkaloids, which are nitrogen molecules. Um, and a lot of our medicines that we have today, a lot of pharmaceuticals, are derived from alkaloids in herbs. Um, over 200 of the things that you can buy on the shelf come from some kind of herb that they've just derived one specific um, molecule out of that herb um, and then you know done all the processing and stuff yeah a bedtime bitters drink um, and then so we've also got um, triterpenes which is a type of saponin there are two types of saponins um, steroidal and the triterpenes, saponins make, they lather like a soap. So you can use these types of, anything that has these types of constituents um, to aid in soap mixtures or replace soap, because uh, it's gonna make it lather up. Um, but not, but your steroidal saponins are more hormonally stimulating. So the triterpenes, um, that you would find in vervain aren't going to stimulate your hormones as much as uh, the steroider ones. Um, and this constituent aids in nutrient absorption. So I thought that was really cool. You've got the bitter aspect of the vervain that triggers and starts up your digestive system. And then you have the triterpenes which are going to aid in absorption. So not only are we making things digest better, but we're also absorbing those nutrients better. So this is also a really good GI and digestive tonic. Um, and flavonoids, which are very common herbal constituent providing antioxidant properties. Flavonoids are in a lot of herbs, especially if you see anything that says it's antioxidant. Um, and antioxidant really just means that it fights off a lot of radicals um, in our body. Uh, I, I didn't really do a whole lot of study into that. There's more than that. A lot of science. Whew. Time for the good stuff. Hey. The good the stuff good on stuff. Blue Burbank. Probably shouldn't slap my paper around. Probably not. It's going to be really loud. Yeah. That's fine. All right. Fine. So what parts of Burbank can be used? All the aerial parts. And aerial just means everything that grows above the ground. So you'll hear people say the roots of a dandelion are really good, for example. Um, the leaves and the flowers and all that. The leaves and the flowers and the stems would be considered your aerial parts and then you would have your roots, I think goes by a different name. Again, didn't research that, so we'll move on. Um, early research lends to it being estrogenic and progest progestogenic properties, um, though there's not a whole lot of research of it currently being worked with that, but it can be used as a uterine stimulant. So that's where I'm gonna come in and I'm going to put some medication interactions. Do not take vervain if you're on hormone therapy or if you're pregnant. Um, and apparently it can also interact with blood pressure medication. I don't know the exact, like why it does that, but don't take vervain if you're pregnant or if you're on hormone therapy. It is safe for children. It's conflicting on whether or not it's safe for pets. Uh, because there might be some issues with their liver being able to digest the constituents in it. Some things said it was good for pets, that pets didn't show any issues with vervain, but then I also saw um, some other research that um, it could be toxic to their liver because of the triterpenes. So my there's always going to be, in the herbal community, I've realized that there's always going to be another herb that basically does the same thing, but differently. So if 
you're iffy on whether or not something is safe for you, there's something else that you can try. Um, so we've covered it being a GI tonic, improving tone and function of your digestive system and um, encouraging function and absorption due to the bitter aspect and the saponins. Um, and then we'll go to it being a nerve tonic. It is a really good nervine. Um, it helps nerve tension. Um, this can aid in nervous exhaustion after long-term stress. <laughs> I don't know who in this family would need that. We're not stressed out around here at all. We're not stressed at all. No, we don't do that. Um, make it ideal for chronic illness recovery. Um, I almost said chronic stress because uh, that's where my head is right now. But chronic illness in general, chronic illnesses are stress on your body. Whether it's emotionally stressful, it's still physically stressful. Physical stress is still stress on your body. Mm -hmm. That acts very much the same as emotional stress. It's all stress. Your body reacts to it the same. Nervines are excellent for dealing with that stress on your body and kind of calming those nerves down. Uh, the Chinese medicine used to use vervain for migraines, those especially associated with the menstrual cycle because it does have those estrogenic and progesterone-inic yeah, things. things. Um, so I also found that really interesting because I have headaches around my menstrual cycles. So this, I'm really glad that I picked this as my first herb to talk about. One, because it's so readily available in my yard, but two, because through my research, I've realized that this is definitely the herb for me. Um, and I do take this herb every day. I, I put two droppers of tincture in my tea and that helps me sleep. Uh, so that leads us to preparations. You can prepare it as a tincture. Again, one to two dropper fulls, up to three times a day, depending on how you're using it. Um, if you're using it for stress, I would recommend like a lower dose. Um, so like, you're good. Keep going. Oh, so like um, one drop three times a day for like stress and anxiety control. I use it to sleep. It makes me drowsy. Um, so I take two dropperfuls at the end of the day, and that has been super beneficial for everybody in the family. Um, yeah, Jared. I've taken some. It's yeah, helped me. Yeah, we've made and some tea with him. I made some gummies last week um, for the, the kids gummies to try. have been off the chain. They taste a little bitter. Yeah. Um, but they knock me. That's the one right thing out. with the vervain. It is extremely bitter. Um, I tried to make a tea with it, and it's not. It's like a chemically bitter taste in a tea. Like yeah. I thought the first time I made it, I used some twine to tie like a coffee filter for a makeshift tea bag. And I thought I was drinking the chemicals off of the Dollar Tree twine, so I threw it out. And then I made another cup where now that I've got a um, an actual like tea infuser thing, instead of having to use twine and a coffee filter, um, I put some dry vervain in there. And it doesn't really matter what you use to cover it up. That it's such a strong um, bitter that it. It's yeah. going to overwhelm But it definitely works. I, I have been does. enjoying the gummies. As a tincture, I cannot taste it. Not really. Oh, yeah. Um, my grandfather uses it. He just drops under his tongue. Um, now, that is a really good way to take any kind of tincture because under your tongue is going to absorb um, nutrients really, really well. Yeah. So we're talking about the preparations, the ways you can use blue vervain. Again, you can use the entire aerial plant. So um, I, you can use the stems. I don't like to use the stems. You can use the leaves and the flowers. We have so much of it that I prefer to just kind of stick to the flowers and I could add the leaves in there if I needed to. 
Um, but the tincture that I used to sleep is made up of all flowers. It was all flower heads that I put into a jar. Um, so a tincture is... Um, oh, I gotta set that up. Hey, Miss Messy. What is a tincture? That was super... <laughs> uh, no, I, I planned to do that, and then you went into it, and I'm like, crap, I missed it. Okay, well, we're going to stop is, and edit. Hold on. Edit right now. Edit what right is a tincture? Now. What is a tincture? Okay, so we're going to go over the preparations of like ways you can use vervain, and one of those ways is uh, a tincture. What is a tincture? There you go. Good job. <laughs> yeah, this is so chaotic. A tincture is so there are different kinds of like liquid ways that you can make basically herbal medicine. Um, oh, I'm making Lily nervous. Sorry. Oh, I did have a question too. Um, LDT wants to know if this is good for menopause. I don't have a good answer for that. That would be a great. Um, thing for me to go back and research. My guess would be yes, because of its estrogenic and progesteronic properties that it kind of helps balance your hormones in general. So I think that yes, it would help with menopause, but that would be something uh, for me to go back and research and get with, back with you next episode for certain. Um, so tinctures. Tinctures are an alcohol preparation of your herb. It's where you take your herb, pile it into a jar, and cover it with grain alcohol, preferably 80 percent. Um, 80 proof. 80 proof or 100 proof. So 40 yeah. percent to 50 percent alcohol is what you want to use, and all that means is alcohol is really good at extracting certain constituents um, from your herbs. Some herbs do well in alcohol, some don't. I'm in the process of learning um, herbalism. And that's one of the things that you learn is yeah, I, what herbs do better in what kind of preparation. I had heard up in my hyperfixation of watching YouTube videos and all this, um, some people do use vinegar, but all do recommend alcohol. Alcohol, alcohol is alcohol definitely works. the best as far as making tinctures. Um, I'm going to take these off there, love. Alcohol is definitely the best. It's going to do the best at extracting those constituents if you're trying to make a liquid... Um, extraction of these herbs but you can if you cannot do alcohol if you're abstaining from alcohol um, you can use vinegar um, vegetable glycerin is really good especially if you're making this for children because it's sweet uh, so you're basically it is not going to pull the constituent as well so it is going to be a uh, less strong which is good, especially if you're giving it to kids. You don't want to give them the same kind of dose you're giving to an adult. So I think glycerites are definitely a great way to go. I do plan on making a vervain glycerite. Um, I think that will do better in the gummies. My vervain gummies didn't do super great. Um, I don't think the alcohol does really great in the gummies. So we're going to make a glycerite uh, for that. Because the kids liked it. They did say it was bitter, but I combined that with the tart cherry juice, um, which has melatonin stimulating properties so it was kind of a double whammy oh and chamomile tea yeah. so those gummies were actually pretty good they weren't super tasty but the kids said the gummies some weren't of the best tasty sleep that they but got they work they work without yes. a doubt they work like my son is super sensitive um and i expected that if he didn't like the taste he was never going to taste it again but he even said they tasted bad but they worked 
So even he admitted that he yeah, slept they definitely really good were. that night. Without a doubt. Yeah. You can use vervain in a tea. Um, again, it's got this chemically bitter taste, so that's up to you if that's your thing. I do not like vervain in a tea. Um, vervain in a tea is not for me. I was trying to do something of the green eggs and ham there, and it didn't really work out that well. Um, yeah, so my book also said that you can use powder for toothpaste, and I literally wrote LOL beside it <laughs> because of the bitter taste. I do not ever plan to grind up vervain and brush my teeth with that. No, thank you. Yeah, I'll find, this got to be you something can brush better. your teeth with charcoal. There's always an alternate. There's always an alternate. Baking soda, charcoal, lemons. I will brush my teeth with lemons before I brush my teeth with vervain. Um, again, not safe for pregnancy. It is safe for children. I do not recommend it for pets because there is conflicting information. Um, if you take too much, don't get super happy with the vervain. It can make you extremely nauseous. And that makes a whole lot of sense because of its digestive stimulating properties. You can't overstimulate your digestive yeah. system. It's going to come out all in. So. I, have a, I have a feeling from my research that most herbs are that way. Because yeah. a, a lot of them do have do aid in di digestion. Yeah. A, a great majority of them. The fun thing about herbs... But it's like their natural way of saying, that's Stop. enough. That's <laughs> yeah. enough of that. The fun thing about herbs is so many of them do a million different things. Yeah. Um, a lot of... Like, vervain is good for your digestive system. I didn't know that, but I don't use it for that. I use it to sleep. Mm -hmm. So, it's got, you know, and it's also a uterine stimulant, but I don't use it for that. I use it for sleep. So find the way it works for you if you decide to work with vervain. Um, I think it's a great herb. It's partially great because it's so readily available because it grows all in my front yard. I'm gonna awesome. keep hitting the table, I promise. <laughs> just keep banging on it. I'm just gonna keep banging on it. And we're all learning together. And we're all learning together. And you know what? Nature knows more than we do. You just gotta learn about it. You just gotta learn about it. That will be on a shirt. There is merch. I will still do mixology. Lily was really concerned about me not doing mixology. Um, oh, we still drank. I we still throw that out. Yeah, I still drink. It's just because tinctures are now such a part of my life. That's I'm, I'm buying jugs of vodka that mix with herbs. <laughs> so, I mean, having a separate page for my herbs didn't feel right because, <laughs> you know, I, and my favorite gin, I love gin. I love the elderberry um, elderflower liqueur and those are all tinctures and cordials basically and through my study of herbs and the and medicinal herbs and like herbal medicine and the way it's been used in history that's where alcohol started that's oh, yeah. where society drinking alcohol started with brandy cordials and I my mind goes to gone with the wind every time because she got really addicted to her brandy every night because it helped her stress um, and helped her sleep as she lost babies and you know her issues with Brett and you don't know Gone with the Wind, but... <laughs> I have not read Gone with the Wind. I watched the movie in high school, No, though. the movie is not nearly as he good said, as the book. He said, damn, or something. He did. Yeah. It was he like said, a, frankly, Scarlet, or frankly, my dear, I don't, I don't give, give a, a damn. And yes. I say that regularly. <laughs> you don't, but okay. I think it in my head. Okay. Uh, anyway, I think of Gone with the Wind where she got really addicted to her brandy cordial. And I don't, it didn't specify what the cordial was with, but a cordial is a lot like a tincture, but you usually add some kind of sweetener to it, like honey. 
Um, I haven't done double extractions with tinctures, but I have done double infusions with oils. Oils are really great to do double infusions to kind of get that extra oomph. Um, so what that means is you would, um, and we'll touch on oil infusions when I get to an herb that would be good for oil infusions, but where you would infuse your oil, strain it, strain your herb out, and then infuse it again with fresh herb. And so it's like an extra strength. Um, and I really like that. I haven't dived into <laughs> mushrooms. Um, they kind of scare me. Dab, divin. Divin, dovin, dovin. <laughs> I have not dovin into mushrooms, um, though that sounds fun. I like to dive into the mushrooms every Saturday night. Mm. Uh, um, well, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's going to lead me talking about mimosa trees and talking about honeysuckle. It's going to lead me into my rant because mm. I, I tossed up. You're going to realize. Doing? Huh, this is my notes I'm going off of. Notes. <laughs> You're going to learn. So we actually, uh, as we discussed going into this podcast, flip the script, is I told her that we absolutely needed an outline. We need to know what we we're going to talk about. We need to have something in mind and come with a game plan. And she absolutely 100% did and has three pages worth of notes that sounded like a doctorate dissertation on Blue Verbane. <laughs> and me, which made the recommendation that we needed notes, I have them all in my head. Those are his notes. Yeah. There's nothing so, there. And he wrote those uh, while we were She told me to wing here. it. She stole, she told no, me No, that's not to what wing. I meant. Yeah. So, here's why I don't have notes, is because I had it, I tossed it up in my head all week, what I wanted to go on, and I have absolutely studied what I wanted to talk about thoroughly, but I landed on several different things. First, I was going to talk about a longleaf pine, because that is the state tree of Alabama. It is like the most, it's the pinnacle of trees when you're in Alabama, and I have a lot to say about the longleaf pine, and I have a lot to rant about on why we don't have as many anymore. Um, but that, that seemed too easy. It didn't seem like it fit. I wanted to go with something that was in our yard. Um, so I decided on the sweet gum tree because we have a pile. So many sweet gums. Pile of sweet gum trees down by our pond. Like big pretty ones that big, you can see, but then you get down the fence line and it's just all baby saplings. Yeah, we got 60 to 80, um, year old sweet gums out there. And they have made babies and interesting fact that I don't even know if we want to talk about the sweet. Um, can we pause? I gotta wash my hands. Go wash your hands, baby. Um, so the sweet gum trees, we have some really old ones out there and I have a few fun facts because I studied the crap out of sweet gum trees and I might, I'll probably go into that after my rant um, because it's actually short. There's not like a long. Your rant or sweet gum trees? Both. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a short rant. Sweet gum trees are freaking awesome. But there's not a lot of material on them because it's pretty quick to get to. And it's not going to be nearly as in-depth and medically as what she talked about. Even though there are medical uses for sweet gum trees. Um, so I studied those. And I'm like, eh, what if I just go on a rant because I have a lot I want to say that I have not put into a TikTok video yet. Which is the difference. Because I get asked this a lot and I've yet to address it. Is why are non-native plants considered invasive and why are native plants that do the same thing that take over why are they not considered invasive yeah, and how long does a plant have to be in the area to be considered not invasive because in my opinion honeysuckle have been around like we have childhood nostalgic memories of honeysuckle so and we're 
old. Yeah, but how old is the Earth? So, uh, well, yeah. yeah. In relativity to how long? Honey, suck a bit here. Well. Okay, so here I'm gonna break this down. This, you led me right into my my You're educational. Welcome. That's what I'm here rant. for. Yeah, that's why we're here together. Um, so you have. I'm gonna write this as I talk because it helps my thought process. Hashtag ADHD. <laughs> I'm learning to manage it. So you have native, and you have two kinds of native. Then you have non-native, and I think that we have two types of non-native. So we can break this down into four categories um, if we really wanted to. We can have native, what I would just call native. I'm just going to call it native. They're hey, just normal. Hey, don't bang on the table. I'm just going to call it a normal <laughs> native plant. When you think, and I'll, I'll break these out. This is going to be, you wanted chaos, I'm bringing it. Mm. You wanted chaos, I'm bringing it, because that's what I did. Did, did I say I wanted chaos? Absolutely. Okay. Then, in addition to native, you have native aggressive. You have native aggressive plants. And I'm going to hash all this out in just a second. Then you got non-native and you have non-native and invasive. So what differentiates a native and... Sorry. So you have native, native aggressive, non-native, and non-native and invasive. Why would a non-native plant be called invasive and a native plant be called aggressive? Okay, so why are native plants good? We're going to take this back to the beginning. So just imagine yourself as a settler the first settler that ever landed your feet on america whether that was christopher columbus which i don't think it was um but somebody okay. came into america and what they saw were native plants there was no invasive plants there were no non-native plants it was all the plants that were native to america at that time and that did include plants that are very apt to take over things then you have non-native plants and they came in through various methods whether that be used in as packing material in shipments or whether it was for the biggest thing will be for ornamental purposes in yards and to look pretty and some of those are invasive and some of them are not um so when i think of native plants i think of oak trees i think of the you know like we just discussed blue vervain the fleabane the wildflowers black-eyed susans i think of all the regular native plants that you would see on a landscape whether that be a prairie or a savanna or in the forest then you have native aggressive plants which you can find some on my TikTok that i've talked about already like say if you look at the virginia creeper oh that's very invasive it is it is not invasive it is aggressive so it has taken <laughs> i'm getting there woman <laughs> so it has taken over like our fig tree it is totally wrapped up in it and it is so old and mature it's actually putting on berries at the top which you don't see in a lot of virginia creeper um you can look at other things like the wild muscadine vines that are taking over the edge of the woods down there oh yeah Those are um, there's a lot of a lot of very aggressive native species um like those then you have non-native invasive which is the ones that i really preach about um that we need to control and some examples of that i will there's like a big five. I don't even know if there's five. I like to call it the big five because it has a nice ring to it. But there's like the main ones you think about. Number one for me is going to be kudzu, yeah. privet hedge, um, mimosa trees. Uh, what else do we got? We got the 
the great great reeds. Yeah, we've got the great reeds on the dirt road. We have now we don't we have a lot of honeysuckle around here. It is invasive, um, but outside of our zone, there are a lot of people that severely deal with uh, bush honeysuckle that's just as bad as privet hedge or just as bad as kudzu about taking over. We don't experience it that bad, um, but it does get pretty bad. And that's your big five that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, but if you think of something like kudzu, it is absolutely invasive. It was introduced way back in the day, I think the 1700s, as a way of erosion control. And I think it exceeded their expectations on, I mean, it was great for erosion control because you put it in a spot, it spreads very fast, it has very tough vines, it puts out a lot of roots, so it's gonna keep the dirt from eroding. It was probably a great idea at the time, um, but I don't think they had any clue on how fast it was gonna take off and take over and really choke out a lot of native plants. Then uh, all your non-native invasives are that way, but you gotta look, there's also some native plants that do similar things as far as choking out stuff. But when we look at native, even the ones that are extremely aggressive, they were native here under our belief system for a purpose. Like there was a reason they were put in that environment. There was a reason they were here. And even though they're extremely aggressive, um, they, they serve their role in a native ecosystem, whether that's drawing wildlife, whether it's for wildlife food, or whether that's to choke out and thin out um, trees, which we now know through science that uh, thinning out of a forest is absolutely needed. Can we pause for just a second? Sure. I'm trying to help with the TikTok aspect of this. Can you move your chair over here that will uh, sit with me and that will be easier? I don't know why we didn't think of that. Hey, now we're going again. Hey. Nice. So what was I talking about? So you have native species that are aggressive, um, but as science, like, there's things put in an ecosystem for a purpose, even if they are aggressive. Um, that can aid in thinning out the forest and doing their appropriate job within a native ecosystem while still maintaining um, attraction to wildlife, food for wildlife, things of that nature. Um, that being said, there are, I mean, I'm not gonna preach against all non-natives. Like I just planted a ginkgo tree in the front yard. That is absolutely not native to America. They're very herbal and I'm very excited. But it's not considered invasive because it's not gonna take over. The most popular non-native, non-invasive plants you can think of are if you walk through the produce section at the grocery store. Um, most of our produce that we buy are non-native, but they're not invasive. Um, they're just cultivated into rows, they don't take over, and they actually take quite a bit of maintenance to keep them alive. So I don't think there's any threat of squash plants <laughs> <laughs> taking yeah, over no, You know, I was wondering why you don't come across wild squash or yeah, wild they're tomatoes. Yeah, because they're not invasive. Except for the evil tomato. The okay. evil tomato, Apparently, do not... <laughs> tomatoes are of the nightshade family. That was fun to find out. But anyway, that's a tangent. That is a tangent. We'll, we'll do a whole podcast on Nightshade Family. How about that? That sounds fun. Oh, we can do that. We'll yeah. line that up for episode 16. Oh, now we have to write that down. Or <sighs> <laughs> we won't remember. <laughs> and now you've said episode 16. People are going to uh, hunt for episode 16 when <laughs> they want to learn about the Nightshade Family. It'll now. be an episode. <laughs> That's better. So anyway, the, and you know, like we see our 
native aggressive species like my prime example is the wild muscadines that are absolutely eat up on the edge of the woods. Down there. It almost looks like kudzu over there. Like yeah, it's ridiculous. I can't get to the elderberries that are growing down there because of the bullet vines. Yeah, but and the privet. But you, there is a level of maintenance you have to do on those because what human maintenance has replaced environmental maintenance. As in, used to, there were not roads and agricultural fields everywhere and you didn't have subdivisions and suburbs and all this stuff coming out. You had basically states, millions of acres worth of open land, prairies and forests. I bet it was so pretty. Yeah, I bet it was beautiful. That's what I want our piece of property to look like is what it looked like before we got here. <laughs> like, we've got, so you were talking about the Black Eyed Susans. Mm-hmm. And then you've got that field that you found that's been like untouched over on yeah. the other road that's just solid, like Vervain, Fleabane, and Black Eyed Susans. And I just, I'm so excited for our yard. The Black Eyed Susans are essentially like a type of daisy. Like they just, it's just this pretty flower and they just grow without All coneflowers are awesome. Coneflowers are so pretty. I'm going to do an episode on coneflowers, don't you worry. I'll, I'm, I'll be here for that one. You'll be here for all of them. Exactly. Was I lying? Oh, okay. Okay. So, but what you used to have in those times when you had millions of acres and acres and acres of untouched, um, land without a whole lot of human interaction is actually you know lightning could strike in one spot start a fire that's going to burn that understory and manage a lot of your aggressive plants wait so wildfires are a good thing wildfires are an excellent thing and i think that Smokey the bear is a piece of trash uh-oh not called out Smokey the Bear. <laughs> I will call out Smokey the Bear. And Shit I just got real, I challenge real. him. I need another drink for that. Grab me one, too. Okay. I challenge Smokey the Bear to an MMA fight immediately. <laughs> no, Sm Smokey had good intentions. And I'll go more into this on our Longleaf Pine episode. But fire, it was preached as a bad thing for so long that we did not want fire. Do not start forest fires. Only you can prevent forest fires when it convinced the masses that forest fires were bad so people stopped burning um at all anyway so used to when you had millions and millions of intact acres of land and say lightning struck and a fire a prescribed a good prescribed fire <laughs> i call it prescribed god prescribed it um it could natural, burn yeah the natural fire yeah, a natural fire. Okay. Yeah, they were there for a reason. Yeah. Um, actually, I'll, I'll finish this thought first. Um, the natural fire was put there for a reason, and when you had millions and millions of intact acres, it could naturally burn off the understory and the aggressive species of millions and millions of intact acres. Where now, you have a block of woods here, you have a block of, of pasture or prairie land here, and you got houses in between and roads, even if lightning were to strike and start a natural good fire, it's only going to burn inside that block that it's in. It's not going to take off and actually take care of tons and tons yeah. of aggressive species. Like so, an example would be like the 
long leaf pine lot that's just up the road. Oh yeah, absolutely. He it does needs nothing. Fun. He's the guy that owns it does absolutely nothing to take care of it and doesn't. Um, he doesn't harvest the lumber from there. Um, the understory is completely other undergrown. And I was thinking, if there was a natural way of taking care of this undergrowth, why hasn't that happened? But it, I guess that makes sense, that it's not connected. Yeah, it, the chances it's, of lightning striking on a 20-acre piece of property and managing those aggressive species is a lot like millions of odds slimmer than lightning striking and taking care of a million acre block. Yeah, you know what I mean? So sense. now that everything is so subdivided up um, with with housing working its way out and, and land converted into ag fields and roads, not saying that none of this is a bad thing, but it does interact with the natural happenstances um, that maintained a lot of our open land back before it was settled. So that puts it in our hands where if we have an aggressive species we have to emulate or simulate those natural events like by making wildfires by making by prescribed controlled fire. fires control it's a controlled prescribed fire. fire that's why you see a lot of your management areas um like pa does on his yard yeah like what well, like we do in the pasture or like most people do on their pine plantations or their forest you're going to have somebody come in if you can't do it yourself there are a lot of people out there with the training. Um, there are actually land management groups that will come in and do it for you. I learned this in my stint in the forestry business. Um, there are land management groups that can come in and do prescribed fires for you to simulate this natural event that was a natural event for a reason. There's a reason natural events and native species are all natural things. They had the same beginning of the word. What's that called? Prefix. Yeah. They're all nat. Hashtag nat. Natural native. That just, that just They're there for think, a reason. That makes me think of Natasha. Nata natural nat. Natasha. I like <laughs> Natasha. We like Natasha. Natasha was put here for a reason. You know? Where's Lily? Lily likes uh, Wanda better than Natasha. Yeah, well. But even hurricanes, tsunamis, natural occurring events served a purpose, um, especially within our native ecosystems. Like now you go in, if you have a stand of pine trees, you plant rows is how most plantations are planted now. You have rows and every so many years, like once your pine reaches maturity, set with loblolly, it's around 18 years. With longleaf, it's 22 to 24 years. You reach your first mature growth um, and you go in and you thin, do like a third or fourth row thinning and you thin those trees so that the other ones have more room to grow. If you t learned any science in high school, an ecosystem... I didn't learn any science in high school. Yeah, an ecosystem... <laughs> you just, read, just straight up agreed with me, like, yeah. yeah. An ecosystem contains fantastic. the stuff to grow a certain amount of stuff. Like, if there's more pine trees per acre, they're not going to grow as big. Just, right. just like if you put a certain amount of fish, if you put more fish in an aquarium, the ecosystem can only, um, what's the word? Sustain. sustain. Yeah, they can only sustain a certain amount of pounds of fish. So this is what confuses so, me when people, is it the same concept as like when people 
prune fruit off trees. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, either you want bigger fruit yes, or you, you can, want more fruit. You get the same you amount. You have both. Yeah, you, know, you get the same amount. Of, so, if you, prune, if, you, if you prune a plum tree, for example, because right. I am slightly obsessed with plum trees. Slightly. There are 13 um, planted in my backyard you can, right now. <laughs> you can... No, there's not. That's persimmons. But oh. same concept. Let's use a persimmon tree. My bad. There are a bajillion Chickasaw plum seeds... Yes, there were that. in my office <laughs> right now. So if you take any fruit tree, I'm going to use a plum tree, and once the fruit starts putting on, if you prune a certain amount of fruit off, it's going to make bigger fruit. In the end, you're going to get the same fruit amount, the same volume of fruit. You either have a bunch of little ones or less but bigger fruit. And it's the same with any ecosystem. So when you when you have your pines, I'm using this all as an example of ecosystems and why stuff is managed. So if you have a plantation of pines, whenever the first whenever it's all mature enough to harvest anything, you're going to go in and do a third or fourth row clearing. And what that does is allow more space in the ecosystem for those other trees to grow bigger. Then after a certain amount of other years, once they're a little bigger, usually your first cutting goes toward pulpwood because it's not quite big enough to make lumber out of. Um, but your second thinning is usually big enough to make lumber out of. You'll come in and you'll, you'll do another thinning to allow more room for those to grow. Um, and then all this time you're using prescribed fire to burn that understory and get new growth coming in underneath those. We're used to, you would have natural fire caused by lightning to come in and burn off your undergrowth and make room for seedlings. You would have hurricanes that would come in and thin out trees. If you've ever seen what a hurricane does to a forest, it's going to knock down some trees. Some trees are going to be left standing. It was a natural way of thinning a forest so that the mature trees would have more room in the ecosystem to grow and allow some sunlight in so that your seedlings and your undergrowth would have room to grow. You have fire to come in and kill off those aggressive species. And nature, the way it was created, is what we're now simulating and emulating through um, science and through human tools. Because we have to now. Yeah. I mean, the way it's set up in much smaller blocks and the way it's more managed, and especially as a lot of it's being used, whether it's in horticulture or agriculture or forestry, it's being used and it has to be stewarded or maintained better. So you have to simulate those natural events um, to tame what nature used to do for us. But with, I mean, it's just part of the process. I can't call any of it bad. I'm not anti-ag, obviously. I grew up in an ag family. I'm not gonna say that agriculture is bad. We need it. We have more mouths to feed. Fields have to get bigger. You have to produce more crops to feed those mouths. But we need to take what we have that's not ag, that is still native species, and we need to take care of those, and we need to steward those. Um, and in order to do that, we have to simulate the natural process that happened before um, we settled it. Yeah. The way it was back in the day. Good so, old days. The good old days. But all that being said, that's your you, speaking of native and your native aggressive plants like used to. One more example, like your your Carolina creeper, your muscadine vines. Um, a lot of that was maintained through natural process, through natural fire, through 
hurricanes through natural events. Um, so couldn't that like also, I mean, we don't have those natural things anymore. We, as you were saying, we got to do those through controlled and prescribed methods. Mm-hmm. But can that take care of the kudzu and the invasive species also? Um, not necessarily. So a good example is the kogan grass that we have on our place that I'm trying to manage right now. Kogan grass, that's part of the big five, which is actually now the mm-hmm. big six. <laughs> <laughs> so it's starting to sound like football. Yeah. So Kogan grass is probably the worst um, invasive species. We don't have it that bad here. We have a couple spots that it's taken over um, that I'm going to treat. You have to treat through herbicide. A lot of people, especially in our plant world that we're in now, um, or anti-herbicide. I think herbicide is a tool that needs to be used with the mindset of stewarding our native species. Um, but it is a tool. It shouldn't be overused, but it, it, it is a great tool to utilize. See, I am a firm believer in everything in moderation. Yeah. The natives... Uh, I'm going to go on another rant just a second. But <laughs> Pause Kogan, that. Pause for just Kogan grass. I'm going to talk about Kogan grass in just a second. Kogan grass. <laughs> so let me explain Kogan grass because this is fun. Don't touch the computer; you might do something. Um, so Kogan grass was brought in. Guess how Kogan grass got here? Very carefully. It w- actually yes, it came in. <laughs> it was used from China as packing material for a crate of Wait, oranges. What? Yeah. <laughs> that so, specific. Yeah, so as, like instead of like we have paper and stuff now, this is like 1800s, late but 1800s. A, a crate of oranges? A crate, yes. A crate of oranges. It was used as packing material. It came into Gulfport, Alabama. Oh, wow. This gets even more specific. Yeah, it comes into Gulfport, Alabama. We have tracked this crate of grass, you guys. This crate of grass. And oranges. Arrived to um, Gulfport, Alabama. Damn, Alabama. And now it has, uh, it is a huge problem. <laughs> it is a huge problem in forests. It is a new problem. We don't even have forests where ours are at. Where part of it borders the forest, some part of it borders the field. That's in the ditch. Yeah, it's in the ditch. What it's makes where we it, found the mice babies. So yeah, so it thrives. Or the moles or whatever. I don't yeah. think we ever figured out what those were. It thrives in areas. You're not good at this tangent thing. It thrives in areas where there's fire. With this prominent fire. Oh. It burns so hot, like it burns hotter than any other thing that's gonna burn. And it kills any immature seedlings that are coming up around it. Oh. And then it regrows and then chokes out those seedlings. That's rude. Yeah. So, so you can't control fire. So even okay. natural processes like fire um, are a problem with a lot of these invasive species. That's rude. Yeah. Like, and mimosa trees, I don't get... Well, so how would you get rid of the Kogan grass? You, you herbicide. Get, that's you where modern That's where modern tools come in. Um, Kogan grass has to be treated with Could herbicide. Could you dig it up? Uh, possibly. Um, but That'd be a lot of digging. Several, several treatments of Kogan grass with some type of glyphosate, um, which is a bad what? word. In the <laughs> what, Roundup. <laughs> Add quality. Now who's up. sounding like the, what did they call me? Scholar? They didn't yeah, call scholar. me a scholar, but he's sounding like Glyphos- a scholar. You've got to know what glyphosate is. Okay, so several treatments of like good quality Roundup 
Um, it, and it still takes several years worth of treatments, but that is the safest way to mitigate Kogan grass without really um, affecting a lot of the surrounding area. Because it's choked out everything else. Like there's yeah, literally yeah. nothing else. So you dose that mind. area, but it, there's not a lot of overspray and it's with the dosage, you're not going to kill the trees that are around it that it hasn't infected yet. Um, but even then, you know, healthy doses of an ag quality glyphosate still takes a couple years <laughs> worth to even, because we've sprayed this before, but it comes right back. Mm. Um, the power company sprayed it, it comes right back. Just like um, the great reeds that are up the road, those were also introduced in the 1700s, just like kudzu as erosion control, which I guess it has done fairly it well. Does that it does fairly it, well. It, it erosion controls. Um, but everything, everything, <laughs> even the trees aren't washing away. Um, but it was brought here for that. And now, you know, earlier this year in the spring, some, our neighbors with the fields actually brought in a skid steer with a mulching head, mulched it down, dissed it under, burned those ditches. Um, we've dug it up. Yeah, it looked really nice and clean it was when they got done with it. Spick and span, and within so good. within two months. Oh, it wasn't even that long. Yeah, less than two months. They were growing back, and they are thicker and beautiful. They are fuller than ever. Ever. Um, and that is what invasive species do, even right. when you simulate um, natural events and try to get rid of it. It just seems like you can't. And most of it was brought here either as erosion control. Some of it was brought here um, as packing material, apparently. But most of your invasive species, like I found several species of um, a type of daylily down there in the woods that is not a native daylily that's taken over the edge of the woods. A, a tiger, it ain't a tiger daylily. It's something. It's a Japanese something. I don't remember you telling me about that. Yeah. The little red thing that looks kind of like... Yeah. Oh, I don't remember what you called that, but I know what you're talking about because it's yeah, it, everywhere. It's taken, it's it, it was... Little well, it was, it's a beautiful really? flower, yeah. and it was brought in because it was a beautiful flower, but now... It's everywhere. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, and talk about honeysuckle. I'm getting there. We want to talk about honeysuckle now. I'm just really sad about the honeysuckle. <laughs> Me too. I hated to even make that TikTok. I didn't know that it was an invasive species. I didn't even know it was non-native, like, because it's... That it's Japanese. It's a Japanese honeysuckle. But it's such a part of our childhood. There's country songs about it. Yeah. About smelling the honeysuckle. It's a freaking southern scent. Like, you go find a southern scented candle, it's probably going to yeah. be honeysuckle scent. But here's the thing. But And it's medicinal. Yeah. But here's the thing. We're supposed For, to cut in with our slogan there. It is medicinal. No, it's not native, no. and yes, it is invasive. And I've heard um, other podcasts talking, especially like the Native Plant Talk guy, um, with, with forestry management groups that go into these tracts of land where it has taken over just as bad as, say, kudzu or privet hedge. That's or amazing, because like that. it doesn't do that bad here. Like you see a little uh, bit. No, because the kogan grass is keeping no. it at bay. <laughs> Another invasive is outdoing it. It's the battle of the invasives. No, no. And honeysuckles losing. Is that the name of this episode? Yeah, Battle of the Invasives. <laughs> I did not plan on ranting this long, but this is fun. This um, is what you're, this is hashtag podcast. This is why I didn't bring notes. But you have to withdraw it to an extent or you're going to run out of things to talk no, I'm about. about. To, I'm about to round it up. About hashtag round up. Hashtag round up. <laughs> um, 
so that is why invasives are bad is they they take over just like a native aggressive plant would um, but they tend to be much 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 harder to suppress even simulating natural events um, so is is honeysuckle bad I mean you said it was an invasive uh, it is what invasive. is bad about honeysuckle uh, it is invasive like it takes over on certain tracks not ours obviously just like mimosas aren't that bad on our place but there are places and i even had a comment on one of my tiktok videos i've never seen a forest of mimosas well i can take a picture of the road of the edge of a forest that is pretty much all yeah. mimosa trees so um, those things are medicinal like i can talk about honeysuckle i know is medicinal so i'm really good at remembering what herbs look like and whether or not they're medicinal or toxic. Yeah. Well, honey, so I believe But I remember. can't remember, like, exactly. Yeah. And that goes into, like, pharmacology was never my strong suit. In That's nursing what books school. are for. That's what books are for. You learn but to read But I can at least identify it. And I can at least remember whether or not it's going to kill me or help me. I just can't remember exactly how it might help me. Oh, I remember my book in now. I remember where I was going. How I was going to round this thing up. Is that... We were talking, though. Oh, go We ahead. weren't rounding up. No, I just had a... I just remembered how to round it up. You talk. It's not very good, this whole tangent podcast thing. Go. Go. I don't remember what I'm saying now. Okay. So. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> I don't remember what honeysuckle is beneficial for. Other than it is, it is medicinal. But I know many people make like honeysuckle jelly out of it. That just sounds... Like childhood in a jar. I have a solution. Honeysuckle jelly. Shh. And mimosa. Mimosa is medicinal. Mimosa is a happy tree. It is known as a happy tree. So we did a TikTok on mullen, which is the happy lung weed. Mm -hmm. Mimosa is a happy tree. Like it just, it's a great, not only is it an antidepressant, but it actually promotes euphoria. Like it will make you feel euphoric. And it's just their little flowers, and you just put them in a jar. and you Mullen might be one of my favorite natives. You brought that up. I'm I sorry. did. We're not going I, there. I love We're not this. going there. That's a okay. different episode. You just put all your mimosa fluffy pink flowers into a jar, and you let it sit in water, and then you have the prettiest, happiest tea. So tell me why honeysuckle and mimosa, with all their happiness, are bad. Because typically, and I haven't found the one for the mimosa tree, but I'm sure we could research and find something. There's things are put places for a reason. Um, I, I won't disagree with that. Okay, so there tends to be native replacements for your non-native medicinal plants. So for the honeysuckle, Not wrong. for the honeysuckle, there is a native variety of honeysuckle and is actually native mostly well, why don't we see that? to Alabama um, because it's been choked out by the invasive one <laughs> and there is actually some how do you tell the difference though like how would you know well, native honeysuckle from you google google's great okay so you were supposed to tell us here what native honeysuckle looks yeah like. so when I googled it <laughs> when I googled it I'm like, well, dang, honeysuckle is so sentimental to me. What is the replacement herb for honeysuckle so that I can let her know that I'm going to kill the honeysuckle, but I've got an idea for it. Oh. Uh, 
The native honeysuckle, which uh, the common name that I learned it by is the Alabama Crimson Honeysuckle. Roll Tide. Hashtag Roll Tide. And it is actually red instead of white with like a golden base. Ooh. It is. Sounds pretty. It is red. It is red. It looks a lot like, and it can be confused with, like the trumpet vines and stuff with the little red trumpet flowers on it. It yeah. looks a lot like that. Is that not the Japanese lily thingy that you were telling me about? Looks no, they're similar. different. It's a totally different thing that looks similar. They actually look similar yeah, to that. I messed up my nose ring. I'm oh, sorry good. for the TikTok people that think so, that I'm picking my nose. <laughs> I'm not. I've just, I've done something to my nose ring that hurts. So the, the Alabama native or the American native honeysuckle, the, the Scarlet Honeysuckle was the other name for it. That sounds even cooler, don't Ooh, it? Oh, I like Scarlet. Scarlet Honeysuckle, yeah. So, yeah, I like Scarlet. Name what if we fashion. replace our invasive honeysuckle with a native honeysuckle? Or I'm I, I'm willing to bet, I haven't researched into it, but I'm willing to bet you can find a native species that does the same things or similar things to what a mimosa tree provides medicinally. I did agree with you at one point. And we have, we're going, this is another episode, Passionflower. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is without research. This is just what I know of Passionflower. Seems like it would be a very similar native replacement for Mimosa. It's a completely different type of plant. One's a vine, one's a tree. But. And I would consider that a, a native aggressive plant. <laughs> as we is. have learned. It is. But it's, it's, it is very, it's very beneficial, it's very medicinal, and when you maintain it, use simulating natural... But it's only invading in like the area that's in it. It's easy to it's contain. It's not that bad. It's easy to contain. It's easy to contain. Yeah. It's been... We've only found two like... Excuse me. Two like plots of passion flower. So it can't be that invasive. And it seems to like disturb ground. Most medicinal herbs do, oh, yeah. and that may be because everything is so uh, maintained, and now we plant grass, and it now finally we... finds somewhere to thrive. Right now, it finally yeah. finds find somewhere that it it can be natural in, instead of being choked out by the things that we have forced to be in our yards and our gardens. We have this disturbed ground, and it's not. Just disturbed ground, neglected disturbed ground, like old parking lots or the edges of parking lots mm -hmm. where, you know, they flattened all this land out to put a parking lot in a building, and now the edges of these were disturbed, but now they're overgrown because it's not actually. <laughs> but what lot. was what was the most diverse ecosystem that we found in North Carolina? <laughs> they have this. <laughs> Ghost Town Amusement Park that is literally a ghost town. It it's, shut down in the 60s. Yeah, and has never been restarted. And we immediately thought we were having such a hard time finding um, a specific species that I was trying to find um, that I had access to. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get to any of the mullein that I found. Um, and I immediately was like, I bet there is some at that abandoned amusement park. And it is called Ghost Town Amusement Park. And there are no trespassing signs up there, so y'all be we careful. We found them after the fact. We found them after the fact. <laughs> technically, we were in the ditch, which isn't technically private property. But anyway, beyond technicalities, please be careful where you are foraging. Please have permission to forage where you were. That being said, we but found so we much stuff. <laughs> we found so much stuff on this lot. Like, I found St. John's wort growing out of the crack in the pavement. 
yeah. this park. We park. had Mullen, St. John's Wort, Black Raspberries by the Bukudos. Oxeye Daisies. Um, yeah, all kinds of coneflowers, actual regular blackberries, um, elderberry trees, um, mulberry trees, Wild oak roses. trees, willow trees. It was it, amazing. That was so fun. We spent so... We were like, hey, let's go. Let's leave this brewery and go home and pack and just go home. Like, we're ready to go home. It was our fourth night there. We were just ready to be home. It was haunted. <laughs> it wasn't haunted. You got hexed by a witch. I did get hexed by a There's witch. There's a difference. Uh, yeah, well. You got hexed by a witch. Not, the cabin was not haunted. But... We were like, all right, let's go home, let's get packed, let's go. And then on our way, we stopped at this abandoned lot, and we ended up spending two hours at this abandoned lot. Yeah, we were it was like, wild. He was like, if we go now, we can pack and leave by six. And when I get going home looked, on my mind, right, I'm ready to go. Right, so we went to this, we just stopped by this lot to see if I can find some mullen, and we ended up so enthralled with all the species that we found and were able to forage for, we looked up and it was seven o'clock. And we we weren't even packed, so we we did, we spent we spent at least an hour and a half on this property, but it was an abandoned parking lot. Yeah, where nature just gets to be like nobody's touching this. I get to nature touch it. Nature the, nature takes care. Of the it. same things happened here on our place. Um, we had the pond, and this is a whole episode I could do on this. Um, we're going to round it up in a minute. Acres. We're going to round it up in a minute. Yeah, we're um, reaching an hour and a half now. So. Yeah, uh, hour and a half is going to be kind of the goal. But um, for an example, my bass in the pond, you don't think of um, wildlife and native plants in a prairie enhancing bass habitat. Um, but for the past year, most of this has been untouched with a bush hog. It has not been cut down. So... And we saw today as we were just walking around looking that the environment, the ecosystem around the pond, we found St. John's wort. We found several species that we just learned what they were. We found hemp vine. Yeah, um, and like I was just grass. down there when we first moved in in April. I was just down there. That was when I first began this journey and I was looking and learning what things were. And I haven't, I mean, I've been so enthralled with other things that I've learned and distracted from our property, but this was the first time that I had actually gone through and looked, re-looked at the same areas, and either things were just bigger and looking different, or there were brand new stuff, like you were yeah. saying. So within line. less than a year of just leaving it alone, we have a very diverse ecosystem around the pond. Which has led to more... Oh, with the, the swamp rose mallows? Yeah, swamp rose mallows. I've loved those. It's a type of hibiscus. Episode on that but that movie. being said, um, letting that go and just letting nature run its course has increased the number of frogs, butterflies, larvae, and insects and wildlife and birds and around the pond. Sense. Which, in turn... Benefit the fish. Benefit the fish. And my bass population... Um, from from averaging one to two pound fish over the past year i have averaged especially during the spawn i've got pictures to prove that the average fish was over three pounds wow just by letting the dry average. land the around the pond ecosystem go my fish are much heavier you caught some brim for the first time out here in Those years. Those brim were amazing. Just non-stop. But do you know how many bugs, insects brim. come to the ecosystem around the pond that feed the brim? 
and it's just the entire ecosystems work together that's why it's an ecosystem it's systematic the plants are the basis of it without the plants you have nothing else but from the plants to the insects to the amphibians to the wildlife we have deer we have more birds than i've ever seen well, we, we have saw turkeys didn't we yeah, we've seen turkeys. We've, we have quail. We have quail, which so happy we quail. haven't had in years. My whole, the dam of the pond was solid blackberries this year. There was hundreds of the little red-shouldered blackbirds. We black could birds. probably do a whole episode on just the pond. Yeah, it's, it's wild. But all that said, rounded up, is that um, when you let a native ecosystem be a native ecosystem, it benefits us as humans when we're harvesting from it. It benefits the native insects. It benefits the native amphibians. It benefits the fish. It benefits the wildlife, the Which deer, the birds. It's an entire ecosystem that benefits one another, and it works together. And that's in a our goal. Way. While we're, I mean, we've moved out to this little forty-acre lot and it's a, a large farm, but most of it's either cattle or cultivated for row crop. But our little lot that we've moved out to is about 40 acres that we've just kind of let go. And while that sounds negative and that sounds like people's worst nightmare to just let their yard go, like the average man is obsessed with his yard. Um, I love that we are just letting ours go and learning about it and making it more beneficial for the wildlife. And that makes sense to me. That makes so much sense to me. Like why... What good does grass do me? A, mono, a monocultured lawn, which means one species of plant in the yard to keep it manicured to look good, serves nobody any good whatsoever other than looking manicured. Yeah, I, say, I thought you were going to say look good, and I don't even think that it looks good. Compared That's why I changed to, how it was going to work. Compared to what wild daisies and If you had a yard of coneflowers and, and burvain and clover and plantain we'll have a whole episode on plantain don't you worry um it will be my yard one day i just want a yard of plantain self-heal and clover and then it just it, it trickle into this prairie of wildflowers and we're getting there i'm so excited i'm so glad you guys have joined this journey with us i think that's a really good place to stop um, yeah, so you guys check out our TikToks. I'm Messy de underscore Mixologist. I am I your boy, Jared Wade. I do. I would like an adjustment to my name. If anybody has any ideas, do we have an email address yet? We should make an email. Uh, we have an email address. It is not related to the podcast. It no, will then be. we don't have one yet. And we then we don't change. have one we yet. We don't have one. Uh, but you can find our merch on our bios. And it is, if you don't have access to our bios on TikTok, it is trees-in-weeds.com. And there is a contact section on that form. If you go fill it out and you want to ask us a question, it'll automatically send it to my email address. We will we'll, get an email set up. Um, it says pilot. It's been super chaotic. It's been super fun. Absolutely. Super Definitely fun. a learning experience. I'm sure there's a lot we will learn listening back to this. Um... I'm so excited for where this is going to take us. Oh, yeah. Me too. Let's so go start excited. planning for the next one. <laughs> I'm going to go sleep. I don't know about you. Signing off. I know what I'm going to want to do. Nature knows more than we do. We just got to learn about it. <laughs>